Hi, this is Jim Lobato, and I'm president and founder of a company called Performance Group. You're listening to the podcast version of a program that originally aired on the BizTalk radio show. I started BizTalk so you'd have access to today's leading experts about growing your company and yourself. BizTalk is produced by Performance Group. At Performance Group, we work at the front end of a company's revenue stream. We find the salespeople who generate the revenue, and we provide onboarding programs that get them doing that sooner. Our passion is aligning talent with opportunity. That's why we're known as a Salesforce development company. Enjoy the program. On our program tonight is Thomas Klobuchar. He is a future-based entrepreneur and CEO of Thomas Interior Systems, a Chicago-area office planning and furnishing firm that he founded in 1977 with the corporate vision to improve the office work environment. As a three-time winner of the top 20 best places to work in Illinois, the Thomas team has assisted well over 20,000 organizations in improving their office work environments by helping them create great places to work. Thomas, welcome back to the program. Well, Jim, good to be here. Thank you for giving me another second chance at this. This is wonderful. (laughs) Well, your work is is so important today. We wanted to give you that second chance. And for our audience, as you know, when you go out to biztalkradioshow.com, we have all the podcasts from the previous programs. And Thomas is out there with his first work, which is called The Great Workplace Revolution which is something we did, I think, about, we did it last year. And so that that podcast is available at biztalkradioshow.com, and I would encourage you to go out and listen to that and also get that book. But we're talking to Thomas today on his follow-up book, The Great Workplace Transformation, The Secret to Success in Creating a Great Place to Work. And I love talking to people, Thomas, who have the secret. So your first book, The Great Workplace Revolution, made sense. What is it about? The second book, The Great Workplace Transformation, that we're going to learn is in a follow-up to the first one. Well, that's a good question, Jim. And the, the first book, of course, is more of a textbook style. Lots of facts, figures, case studies, and detail about what's happening in this revolution in the workplace. The second book is about transformation. And that's what happens when you implement all of the facts and figures that were in the first book and the 12 essential strategies for creating a great place to work. That's when the transformation starts to occur. But it's, there's not just one thing about it. It's the book itself does cover the 12 essentials, but mostly it, it's, it's showing us all in a very simple, easy-to-read parable of real people going through failure, meeting wow in the workplace, and living happily ever after in a great place to work. And that's, that's the story within the great workplace transformation. Thomas, in your first book, you brought forward a statistic that I think is worth repeating, and that is you said that 60 to 81 percent of American workers are unhappy with their jobs. And when you listen to that, you hear that statistics, it's like, wow. So what is fueling that, that unhappiness? Well, you know, it's, it, it, I'm, you're going to hear on, on this conversation, you're going to hear me use the word engagement quite a bit. And it's been a, a lack of engagement in the workplace. It's a sad statistic to think in terms of how many people that would represent in the American workforce. But when you start talking about as high as 81% of, of our employees, just look at your own organization and you start to do the math and you figure how many people that is. But the, the, the whole matter of engagement is really everything. 
And if you, so many companies today are still operating their organizations and in their in leading their organization using 20th century management style, and in a 21st century business. And things have changed so rapidly in just the last decade that if you're not really staying on top of it and learning along with your employees, you're going to be left behind. And unfortunately, those statistics point that out, that 40 to, 40 to 81, 60 to 81 percent of, of the workforce are, are just disillusioned with their, with their jobs. Now, on the other side, if I may quickly add, the ones that are engaged – those companies are just going off the charts. They're the, the Amazons and the Googles and the Zappos of the world, and they are, they are doing so well that it's absolutely amazing. And, Thomas, this is kind of a related question that is thought of listening to you. When you mentioned Zappos and Amazon and Google, in the great scheme of things, those are all relatively new companies as compared to Microsoft or IBM or even Apple, right? Sure. So is it the fact that they're newer and they're, they don't have some of the baggage from the last 20, 30 years they're carrying forward that allows them to create this great work environment? Or are they actually doing something different that some of the companies that have been around for a while haven't figured out? It's, it's probably some of both, but the interesting thing is when, when you have newer companies, you especially in the technology field, they are usually led, as we all know, by younger people, younger leaders. And, you know, there is, I speak throughout both books a lot about, about the, the generations in the workplace. There's four generations now. In 2020, the fifth generation will enter. And each of those generations, people going from the early 20s to as high as now coming back to work at 70 and 80 years of age and working in the same workplace side by side. And there has to be a sensitivity to each of those generations to make make the magic happen. And I think that some of the newer companies, the ones who are led by younger people, are the ones that are that get it. Now they have a hard time relating to the older folks, they have the the boomers and the traditionalists, but they are somehow able to make that transition and one of the ways they've done it, I think, unfortunately, is they have only hired people in in the first two generations or three at most. But they're they're getting it and, and as they as they learn to be generational coaches and uh, be able to jump across the age uh, barriers and relate to each other. They have they're being very successful. I mean, and you look at what they provide for their employees in the way of of the engagement benefits. It's way off the charts compared to a, sta- a traditionally run company where it's it's nine to five. Maybe you get free coffee and you know pat on the back at your yearly review. Whereas today at, at the companies we just spoke of in the technology field. They have a Starbucks on site. They have they have all of the famous restaurants on site in the same building. They they have work schedules that are flexible. They can work at home if they wish to, or at the office, and on it goes. And it's it's just a different different environment. In in your first book, the workplace great workplace revolution, you get into those four 
different generations in the workplace today. And so when you talk about, in the new book, The Great Workplace Transformation, you mentioned the 12 essential strategies for creating a great workplace. Are the 12 strategies existing today because there are four generations in the workplace, or are these 12 strategies a strategy to withstand the test of time that will work 20 years from now? You know, 20 years is a long time, but I think they will work five years from now and, and, and maybe even as far as seven years from now. By the time we, we get to 2020, the, year, the end of this decade, I believe that this information is solid for at least this, I call it the synergistic decade. And, and so we've got, we've got another seven years for sure, but it's moving quickly. And I would just encourage our listeners here who are running businesses to stay sharp on this. You can not, you have to you have to get out of your comfort zone you cannot you can't you can't you know they say that sheer insanity is doing things over and over the same way and expecting different results and and most of us uh, who have been in business for quite a few years are are running our businesses the same way that we did 10 years ago and as we know that Moore's law as far as technology that we know that that every 18 months, technology capacity and intelligence doubles. Well, that tells us something about how fast we have to move to keep up. If we're not, if we're doing things the same way we did five years ago, we are we're three years behind. So it's it's a telling thing, and it's it, it might make us uncomfortable. But when it all comes together and you have an engaged workforce. Jim, it is absolutely the most enjoyable thing for the owners as well, and managers as well as the employees, and they love to spend their time at work. Thomas, why do you call this the synergistic decade? You know, that's, that's a good question because what, what we're trying to do here, Jim, is, is take four, soon to be five generations, unique people, di- very different because of their ages, and be able to cross over and be, uh, become generational coaches and synergize that intelligence. If, if we can do this, if, if, if any of us and all of us can do this in our businesses and synergize the giftedness of five generations, I believe every being in my in my being my, myself that that if we can do this and I think it's going to happen that we will have the most rich and fruitful productive decade that our country has seen perhaps since the industrial revolution because there is so much giftedness in in the four soon to be five generations but it's blocked it's being blocked by the personality differences of people who will not tolerate someone who thinks differently than they do. And so when you engage with, with, with four other generations and look at each one of those generations with sheer and utter amazement, you know, and, and look at them as awesomely gifted. I love those two words, amazing and, and awesome. It's the language of the millennials, it's, you know, the, but, it, but it is descriptive. When you can look at them that way and ask them for, to coach you, I do that every day in my business. I'm a technology, you know, I'm a, I'm a digital immigrant, as I, as I like to say in my first book. Uh, the digital immigrants are the boomers and, and the traditionalists. They, they weren't born with technology, but the millennials and the Gen Xers were. And they know, just know more, they can do more than we can ever do or ever will do. So if we can synergize those, that giftedness 
I believe that we are going to have the most exciting time in our in our individual co- careers and collectively in our businesses. The guest on our program is Thomas Cloversher. We're talking about his book, The Great Workplace Transformation. For those of you who may recall, Thomas was on our program earlier, and we did a podcast about the great workplace revolution. You can listen to that on our website at biztalkradioshow.com. That's B-I-Z, talkradioshow.com. Thomas, in your book, and the book we're talking about is The Great Workplace Transformation, and the secret to success in creating a great place to work. You mentioned 12 strategies. Tell our audience about those strategies. Well, it's you know that that could be an hour long conversation, but I'll, I'll be very quick well, about it. Well, that's what I was thinking, but because <laughs> I, I kind of set you up for that one. So let me ask it this way. Let me say, okay. And I was going to ask you, well, pick the one or two or three most important. But then I thought, well, they're all important. I read them. So yeah. pick the ones that you want to share with our audience here tonight. Sure. And there are several that are more important than others. But I must add, Jim, that I have 12 essential strategies. But that doesn't mean that there's only 12. There, there could be – you could sit down or another CEO of an organization could sit down and modify this and come up with 15. Or they might come up with 10 or 8 that would be perfect for their organization. I, I did this for my organization, and we came up with 12. And, and I'll quickly just tell you what I think are, are the most important ones. Core values is number one, and that is that making sure that your organization understands the core values that you, that you have as an organization and that you measure performance by the core values, not by, not by how many widgets, not by how often they do this or do that, but how are they blending in and how are they working against the core with the core values of your organization very i think i think that's a, one of the most important ones you know one that is really really important to our our organization we have approximately 60 some people in our in our company and so we're not a large company but we have a director of fun and we believe i believe that in order to have that synergistic organization in an organization that is engaged you have to have fun if you're coming to work and you're not enjoying your job you're you're part of that 60 to 80 percent and you're unhappy and you're not effective you're not engaged so uh, having having a director of fun being involved in a collaborative and work environment you know i'm i'm in the office planning business so i could be i could be self-serving in this but one of the most important things is far as how your how your business looks and your furnishings is that it is set up for collaboration. In this book I talk about doing away with the private office. I know that sounds counterintuitive to everybody, but putting the leadership with the people, not in the separate private office where where if you ever have to get called into the private office you know you're in trouble. It's a, the only place in the organization you don't want to be get them get the leaders get the managers out of the private offices i'm on a personal mission to to kill the private office and i'm in the furniture business so that tells you something but it's just it, it has no practical purpose anymore in uh, in this in this decade and going forward so so those are a couple i mean there's there's more having a creative workspace having a right fit we use testing to help people get the have the right fit and the, so there's the right person sitting in the right seat in the right bus understanding and uh, the employee and giving them good reviews at least twice a year having creative after work events 
community service events, and being a learning organization as opposed to, well, this is a big one. I like this one. Well, this is one of my favorites, and that is take the word training out of your vocabulary. Training is not something that you want to use because it's a, it's a it's a negative word. It, it's me, the smart person, will train you, the dumb person, how to do this or that. Become a learning organization. Change the names of your training room to the learning center and talk about learning and education because humans humans learn we we dogs and seals are trained so those those are some of them i i missed a couple that are very important too but that's kind of a summary of them well thank you for that that's great insight you know thomas i'm sitting here thinking okay here's a gentleman who started an office interiors company back in 1977 there's been a few changes since then so at, at what point if you can recall you had this epiphany that things weren't going to be like they were in the past and i need to adapt to the different generations in my own business Yes, that's a good question. And, you know, we're, we're a 35-year-old company, and it's going now into it, its second generation. My son is, is the president. I'm the CEO. We reinvent ourselves. We, we are entrepreneurs, and we, we love being entrepreneurs, and we're classic in that. And that means that we are constantly reinventing ourselves. So the reason I started the business back in 1977 was to improve the office work environment. That's where I started. That was my passion then, and that has not changed in 35 years today. It's our whole company's passion. But as I said earlier, if you are doing things the same way that you did five years ago in any business, you are behind. So the key, I think, to all of us would be any business, any organization, whether it's a church, a school, not-for-profit, doesn't matter. You, you have to change at least every 18 months. You should be evaluating all of your structure. And when you do that, really neat things happen. You know, we've, we've, we've come through in our industry some, some pretty deep depressions, as a lot of others have, too. But back in, in 2008 and 2009, our industry was, was literally cut in half because of construction and all the rest. But, but interestingly, we came right as our company, who was, who was future-based and also focused on, on these five generations, or actually four now and soon to be five, and having a, creating a great place to work, we sprung back so quickly. Most of our competitors are still holding on by their fingernails. Their, their businesses are not doing well. Many of them have gone out of business. And we have doubled our business. We doubled our business in two, in two and a half years as a result of, I think, being an engaged company and, pre, and having a great place to work. Going through this transformation, how is that going to help me recruit and hire better people? Yes. <laughs> Uh, that is the million dollar question right there because if you don't have if you don't have the creative people today on your staff you're going to lose that the people with the creative people are the ones who are winning today and that's why the the big names that we mentioned at the beginning of our conversation have done so well how they're they're impacting our our whole world with the technology if you are literally a great place to work and if you 
have in an engaged workforce. There's studies now that that have just recently come out, and it's 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 really incredible. There's an there's a company called Towers Watson, and they have a global report that they have just recently published, late in in, in 2012. They have tested some 32,000 companies worldwide. They're the largest HR firm in in the, in the world, I'm told. And they now have determined, without a shadow of doubt, that the companies who have who are great places to work, who have an, have an engaged workforce, that means a happy engaged workforce, that those companies have a bottom line that is three times greater than those that do not have engaged workforces. So I like to think of that as the what's in it for me. When I give a talk or I'm leading a a discussion on this subject, I start with that. And I, I start with that because most of us, you know, we pick up a book or an article and we start to read it and we get bored and we put it back down again. Well, I say start on, on my book. I have I have that report in the back in the afterword of the book, and so I tell people I want you to read my book backwards. Start with the afterword about the Towers Watson report. That will compel you to want to do the things in the front of the book. And when you do, you will have the best people. The most creative people have lots of choices, even in a down economy. They always will have a job, and they know it, and they will insist upon working for creative companies and in a creative environment. And that's the bottom line. So, Thomas, you're with a CEO of a company today. The one piece of advice you're giving them is what? The one piece of advice that I would give, and I, I do this almost every day of my life, I have, we have a large team of salespeople who are out looking for organizations who are in transition, who are going through change, moving to a new, new location. And I tell them that, that when they are in a transition mode, it might, they not, may not be moving. They might just be deciding that it's time they have to change, that that is possibly the most exciting experience that any organization can go through when they when they impact change in their organization everybody loves change if it's positive change the opportunity that i tell i tell ceos i had a large technology firm in here just recently that 400 people moving to a new place and they just wanted to buy furniture and they wanted to know what our discount was and they wanted to know how quickly we could deliver it and i talked talk to them about engagement they left our, our facility after that and went back to their headquarters. And I got a call the very next morning from the CEO of that organization, and he said, Tom, he said, I, I gave him a copy of my book, too, and he, he was, had it in his hand when he called. And he said, Tom, he said, you're the kind of company that I want to work with. The principles in your book are what I want in our organization. I want to be a great place to work. And that was the, that was the deal. And that that was it. It was all over. He he engaged us at that point, and we did a 450 workstation in, uh, environment with them. His he, he's so proud of that he's probably my one of my best salespeople right now, just because of the people that he sends to us. But it, it's it's an amazing thing that what happens when employees are engaged. It is a CEO or a owners or the presidents. It's the best experience you can possibly experience. I could go on and on, Jim, and, and give lots of other ones, but, you know, I, I had one that just happened to me today in our own organization. May I share it? 
Absolutely. Well, it, we had a, we had a town meeting yesterday in our organization. This is this is kind of how we work. We had a town meeting. Everybody came. It was at twelve thirty. We had update on our on how we're doing as a company. We shared. We had managers talking about it. We had individuals standing up in front sharing. We had Mexican food brought in for everybody, and I talked a little bit about my about this book, the Great Workplace Transformation, because it's it's brand new. That's only a matter of weeks old. And we had a we had a quiz and we gave money away to people for answering the right questions about the book. It was just a lot of fun and a lot of yucks. But I got I got a note from one of our one of our people. Got a bunch of notes yes last night and this morning. But this one says I just want to thank you for your generous generosity and your kindness. Blah 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 blah. You caught me by surprise. Was not expected. This is a new employee with our company. And she said, she said, I have been, I have been nothing but impressed with the company's philosophy, atmosphere, and especially the people. You truly have a refreshing business model that I'm very excited to come to work every morning and enjoy. And that's that's the kind of attitude. I mean, that was, and that's over and over from people in our company. Who wouldn't like that? You know, it's when people feel that way, you get the best work out of them. They want to do the right thing, and they will. And so engagement, it's all about engagement. If there's one word for the transformation book that we're talking about today, Jim, and to all your listening fans, I would say engagement is everything, and it's the greatest thing. Thanks for joining in on the conversation. Our guest is Thomas Klobuchar, his book, The Great Workplace Transformation. For a podcast of his previous show, The Great Workplace Revolution, you can go to our website, biztalkradioshow.com, and you can find it under our podcast. That's at biztalkradioshow.com, B-I-Z, talkradioshow.com. So, Thomas, you get to work with a lot of company presidents. Some people, I can imagine, are resistant to what you're talking about. Where do you think the resistance comes from? Well, I, you know, and you're right, and that that happens to us often too. We they they really are just people who want to who want to keep things the same way, and they they think that the economy is bad, and they blame the economy, and they're they're critical of the different generations within their organization, and they're limping along on three cylinders. Maybe they're making enough money that you know that that they they can stay that way, but nobody's having fun. And some people are able to change, like my technology friend here. He went from he went from the old way to the new way overnight. But some people just can't get it. They won't get it. They just want to do it the same old, same old. And my suggestion to them would be sell your business because you're you're not going to get anywhere with it. It's could do better just sell it because if you're not engaged, if your people aren't engaged, nobody's having fun, and and that person isn't having fun. You can almost read it in their eyes and in their face. They're they come to work and they don't like their employees. They, the employees don't like them. The results are poor. And nobody wins. In in my writing and in this whole concept of the great workplace revolution and transformation, I end almost every every page with the with the phrase that it's the revolution and the transformation where everybody wins. And that's what this is all about. If you have employees who are not winning with you, they're disengaged. If you're not winning, you're disengaged. So it's just such a beautiful thing when you have everybody 
pulling on the oars in the same direction, and the customers love it, your suppliers love it, the owners love it, the stockholders love it, <laughs> everybody wins. So, Thomas, is there one question we should ask you tonight that we haven't asked you? Well, you know, that's a good one. I, I just would say, why should we do this? Why, why should I even consider moving forward? Uh, things are okay, you know, the economy's going to come back one of these days. The, the question I would say is, how important is engagement? And I would say, it's everything. So I may be repeating myself with that, but if, if anyone listening today hears anything, wants to carry away any one thing that I have said in this, in this conversation with Jim, I would say engagement is a beautiful thing. You know, we have, we are, many of us are married, many of us has, have families, and sometimes they're engaged and sometimes they're disengaged and bad things happen. We can all relate to the feeling of disengagement. It's you're alone, you, you don't feel good, it's, it's not motivating. And then think of the very best thing that's happened to you and when things were really good and, and you were all engaged and all going in the same direction. And work then is fun. And I would just end with saying, isn't it better to be fun in the workplace? And, isn't, cause, and especially, and isn't it better to have a three times greater bottom line than you have today because of that, that betterness? Yeah, with a three times better bottom line, you can buy some fun. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. It's a, it's just a wonderful time to it's a wonderful time to be in business. And if any of your listeners are, if you're, I'll speak to them now, if I may, and just say, if you're repeating, hear yourself repeating that the economy is bad, and you know, and it's all, it's going to get better maybe someday, and I'm just going to put up with this because nobody nobody cares like I care. You are you have a disengaged position. And you need to get out of that. You need to move toward engagement, and you need to. And if you're the leader of the organization, you need to. You need to start with understanding the four, soon to be five generations, and then start to engage yourself with the twelve essential strategies. This storybook, the Great Workplace Transformation, is a fable. And it's about a person who was about ready to be fired. He was a VP of, of sales for a company, and he he was failing miserably. And he had two choices: one was to one one would be to take his pink slip and leave that day, or go visit a company that was sort of a Zappos style company to go in for a couple of weeks of learning how to become a great place to work coach. And he takes that takes that up, and he goes in totally negative, and he comes back out as a winner, and then he takes that back to his organization, and everybody wins. It's a neat story. It's simple. It's a two-hour read, and you get it when you're finished. It's, it's just something I would say to, and of course I'm passionate about this, but I tell it to everybody that, that I have more than two minutes to talk to, I, the subject comes up, because who wouldn't want to be happy rather than unhappy and disengaged that's my that would be the end of my comment for that long as it was <laughs> well, i appreciate that thomas and if people wanted to learn more about the great workplace transformation where would they go 
Well, they could go to my blog site, which is rich with videos. You could download an executive summary of the book, and that's at www.thegreatworkplacerevolution.com. I'll say that again, www.thegreatworkplacerevolution.com. You can reach me at Thomas Interior Systems. That's our company. We're in, in the Chicago area, Bloomingdale, Illinois. And our website is thomasinterior.com, just T-H-O-M-A-S, interior, no S, dot com, and you'll get some more of that information. But the blog site will give you a lot of information. You can, you can meet with me on, on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube. We're all over the, I'm all over the place trying to keep up with all the millennials and the technology, but there's a lot of information there, and I'd encourage you to, to take part in some of it. Thomas, thanks for being on the program. Well, thank you, sir. It's great, great to be here. This or other BizTalk podcast may be downloaded by visiting our website, biztalkradioshow.com, where you can subscribe to BizTalk through iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at BizTalk1040 and like us on Facebook. If you want to learn the strategies finding and getting performance out of A-player salespeople, contact Performance Group by calling 800-950-9509 or visit us on the web at pmgllc.net. This has been your host, Jim Lovato.